that he could make a miracle of me and the microphone. All right. Um, <coughs> where was I? Oh, yes. God shows up. Isn't it exciting when God shows up in your life? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't God, when you see, when you sense the Spirit of God, it's moving, it's like, oh, come on. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. Um, God, sometimes the Holy Spirit comes with power. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just, it's like a blanket. He just rests, just falls on you like a blanket, and it's, and you know, somehow you know that it's just going to be okay. You don't know how it's going to be okay. You just know it's going to be okay, because that's God's promise. And, this, and God's promise to every one of you right here, right now, is it's going to be okay. Details to follow. All right? So like when Susie called me this morning and said, um, Brother Jackie, Mike's not feeling very good, and he's, he's not going to be there to preach. Because uh, Mike and I had agreed that this was going to be his Sunday to preach the Advent sermon. And he's not going to be here, so... so but, he, but Mike assures me that you'll be just fine. So, um, so what Mike couldn't have possibly have known, I appreciate his confidence in the Lord in me, what Mike couldn't possibly have known is that have a, just a, a wonderful, one of, one of my favorite messages on the topic of the Prince of Peace that I preached last year for Advent. And through the miracle of modern digitometry, um, here it is, right there. So, uh, but last last year for Advent, we did a, a, a four Sunday series based on the prophecy from Isaiah. There is just a little tiny bass hum that's happening here. I just don't want blood to start spurting out of people's ears. Uh, all right. Um, so, but I've got, I started with some pictures last year. So everybody knows what this is, right? A Willie Nelson concert. That's well. Let's. Not. I mean, there's. Yeah, there's not any smoke there. It would be. Uh, Yes, th- this is people gathering in Times Square celebrating uh, the end of World War II in Europe. Uh, cause, because after several years of scary, awful, uh, worldwide bloodshed, there is peace on the European front. These people are celebrating peace. Um, and they all look happy. This guy right over here, he looks really down. See that guy right there? He looks really happy. They all look really happy. Um, 
So no, this doesn't have anything to do with that. But this is a, this is a, um, a fragment of what's called a bulla, which is a, a seal, uh, a clay seal that was put on uh, scrolls, um, uh, important letters, important communications from uh, like court officials or very wealthy people. Who, they, they sent legal documents. They sent official letters. They rolled it up. They wrote, they wrote it out, and then they rolled it up, and they, they stick this uh, clay thing on it, and then you just told, then, then it's not supposed to be opened again until the sender opens it, when that, in which case they break the seal, and they can open it. Uh, but you can't really tell from here because, first of all, you don't read ancient Hebrew, uh, is that the name on here which would represent the scribe uh, who wrote this document and put the seal on it is the name of the person that the book of Isaiah tells us was Isaiah's scribe. Uh, A guy named something like that. Um, This was discovered in a trash pile two and a half years ago by archaeologists sifting through, I'm not going to get into this long story, but sifting through uh, sacks of stuff that they had uh, harvested when other work was going on. They just were going through screens and sifting out dirt and trying to find tiny artifacts like this. So this, was, this dates to plus or minus 700 B.C. Okay, we're all good with that? Uh, but absolutely been dated uh, as to the time uh, when uh, uh, when the, the, the king that Isaiah was serving were, were in power. And this is, well, you can't prove for 100% certainty that this was Isaiah's scribe, but you can prove that it's the same name and it came from the same time. Isn't that cool? That's just, I mean, you learn stuff when you come to church. So I just wanted you to see that. Uh, because what we were talking about, oh, backwards, uh, uh, here's the first gospel uh, uh, the book of Isaiah contains the first time the gospel was ever preached to God's people I mean you think the first time the gospel was preached might have been by the angels not really uh, on, uh, on Christmas night but no for a child will be born to us a son will be given to us the government will rest upon his shoulders his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God eternal father prince of peace Good news. Remember last week we talked about hope? Somebody tell me what hope means. It's not here yet, but hope, it, it, hope means that you are absolutely convinced that it's coming even though it isn't here yet. Uh, sometimes people have, mistake hope for wishful thinking. Like, I wish it would come here. I wish it would be okay. I wish that I would win the lottery. And we think that we're hoping to win the lottery. I, but that's, that's not hope. And biblically, that's not hope. Hope, elpis, is become, being absolutely convinced that something will come even though it isn't here yet. All right? So this is God's promise 
in Isaiah chapter 11 for something that is coming, absolutely is going to come. It's just not here yet. The Old Testament, God's people, looked forward to Jesus coming all of those years, all those prophecies. But the hope, they were convinced that this was true. It wasn't like, well, it's a nice sentiment. Wouldn't it be nice if this came true? That wouldn't be hope, would it? That would be like dreaming. It would be like wishful thinking. But they, God made this promise. So they knew it was true and they knew it was coming. Uh, and this is the first time the gospel was preached. Uh, so, we've ran, so I'm just going to run through some other stuff because we need this for the background. So the first thing, the first uh, name, we'll call his name wonderful. It's a Hebrew word that means beyond our understanding or comprehension. It's not like, woohoo, isn't that great? Wonderful. Hey, um, um, my grandkids are coming for Christmas. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, it's wonderful. I'm looking forward to that. And that's not what this word means. This one isn't, uh, oh, isn't that cool or nice? It means, what? Oh, my goodness. What was that? What just happened? I've never experienced anything like that in my entire life. It's amazing. Not really just wonderful. It's like amazing. This is, makes you wonder, wow, what was that? So we will call his name wonderful as in, this has never existed. I've never seen this. This is incredible. I've never encountered this in the history of my life or in the history of the world. That's, well, that's the first thing that Jesus is. He is like wonderful in the, in the context of, oh my goodness. I've never experienced anything like this before in my entire life. Okay. I am humbled and I am totally in awe. I am in wonder. That's the first name. So just a quick, quick question. How many of you, be honest, in your daily life experience God like that? For, where you encounter God at this level of, oh, God, you're so amazing. Not, not very often. It's more like, God, where are you? I'm on the clock here. I can't wait around all day. Um, we spend most of our time panicked or frustrated because God isn't showing up the way we want Him to. We don't ever, we very rarely encounter God in this way. It's like, my goodness, God. Now that I stop and think about it, now that I stop and contemplate you, now that I just rest in your presence, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. God, you are so amazing. So call His name Wonderful. Uh, then we get to this part, uh, counselor. It's based on the Hebrew word that refers to a particular type of wisdom, right? Uh, not just someone who knows the difference between knowledge about how stuff works and wisdom to know the right way and the right time to use it. Uh, a lot of times we tell, we tell people that the difference between wisdom and uh, Knowledge and wisdom is knowledge is knowing how um, a 45 caliber pistol works. And, and wisdom is the understanding of when you should use it and when you should not. All right? Which is pretty cool. But that's not what this word has to do with. This word has to do with, uh, it refers to the wisdom and the authority. It's, all, it's most often in the Old Testament used to refer to the wisdom and authority of the king who makes decisions and takes actions that change history. 
that kind of weighty wisdom, that kind of wisdom that, that wields authority and wields it correctly in order to make a difference and minister to the kingdom as a whole. Very rare, very important. So he's, he's, his name is Wonderful Counselor, as in somebody that you can trust to make the right decisions on a grand scale. Okay? Uh, so, we need to update. So now his name shall be called the king who makes decisions and takes actions that change history because, oh my goodness, what just happened? I've never experienced anything like that in my life. I'm humbled and I'm totally excited. That's what, when you put those first two names together, that's what you get. But wait. There's more. Um, okay, mighty God. This doesn't refer to someone with stupid amounts of physical strength or irresistible power. Hey, hey, hey. This is not an incredible hulkness. It's, this, it's, it's such an interesting word. Uh, the Hebrew word is El Gabor. And while it does mean strong and mighty, it's always used in connection with describing a particular set of historical figures. We would call these figures heroes. El Gabor is, is, referred, is used to refer to Nimrod, Nimrod in Genesis 2 or the mighty warriors of King David in 2 Samuel 23. These, these are mighty warriors who are, who are brave and courageous and who always act in the service of others. Not just somebody who has strength and so they push people around and say, I'm bigger than you. Not Goliath, okay? Uh, Goliath was strong and mighty, but he, but he would never be referred to with this term, El Gabor. Because Goliath was like an eight-foot-tall weasel. Uh, he was just a big bully. He just pushed people around. These, this word is refer, refers to heroes. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. My hero. My hero. Uh, implies bravery, courage, and action in the service of others. And these images come to mind when I think of El Gabor. <laughs> All right. Is that, is that an awesome picture? Isn't this amazing? This is Jesus busting loose from the t- a mighty warrior, you know, wonderful counselor, mighty God, busting loose. Not just because... It was stuffy in there. Busting loose to come to rescue you. God loved the whole world so much that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him would not perish. But you can just as easily say God loved Harley so much that he gave his only begotten son. This is a picture of Jesus busting out of the grave to come and rescue Harley, to come and rescue Shirley, to come and rescue Natalie, to come and rescue Cindy. This is God busting out of the tomb because you need a hero. All right? Can we agree that? 
You need a hero. El Gibor. Let's say it together. El Gibor. Say it like, say it like you really mean it. El Gibor. All right. Our hero. Here's another picture. So powerful. My, this is my favorite picture in the whole wide world, except for my picture, my picture of Peggy. El Gabor, my hero. Isn't this a wonderful picture? The hammer and the spike that nailed Jesus to the cross. This person overwhelmed with the realization of what their sin really means. And he's right there. He's right there. In the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of our failure, in the middle of our shame in the middle of our just coming to the end of ourselves, overwhelmed by our own weakness, and in spite of what we've done, El Gabor holding us up, carrying us, rescuing us from ourselves. How many of you know that the main thing that most of us need all the time is to be rescued from ourselves? Can I, get, I didn't get any amens. Give me, give me an amen. amen. It, should be, it should be more like this. Amen. <laughs> amen. All right. El Gabor, our hero. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, El Gabor. So now we've got this. His name shall be called the king who makes decisions and takes actions that change history. Oh, my goodness, what was that? What just happened? I've never experienced anything like that in my life. I'm humbled and I'm totally in awe because I now know that he is a king who will always behave heroically and selflessly and use his power to deliver me, never to oppress or intimidate me. Right? He is a king who will always behave heroically and selflessly and use his power to deliver me, never to oppress me or intimidate me. Is that cool? Is that cool? Are we glad it? Yeah, the coolest thing ever. But wait. I think there's still more. Everlasting Father. What's this a picture of? Come on, what is it? Say it. This is the Father... Running, looks kind of like, looks just like Gene Hall. You're right, it does. Um, coming for a catfish. Um, this is everlasting Father. Uh, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained to them. Everlasting Father is the father who never gives up on you. The everlasting father. God loved the world so much. He chose not to give up on you. He created you. He knew what your DNA was going to be like from the foundation of the world. That's what Psalm 139 says. The everlasting father created a special blueprint that's just you. I mean, has it ever occurred to you that there's only one Carl Jasper in the entire history of creation? Is that amazing? Glory to God. And 
there's only one Connie, there's only one Chuck. Unique DNA. Do you know this? This kind of kind of freaked me out when I read this a few months ago. Even identical twins do not have completely identical DNA. And that's right. That's right. That's right. Amen. Uh, well, we're glad we got. We're glad we at least got you, Cindy. That's right. We're happy about that. <laughs> what? Not totally, even in identical twins, the DNA is not totally identical. Don't ask me why, because I'm not a geneticist. Um, I just believe what I read because it's on the Internet, okay? <laughs> um, but, but this, the everlasting Father is the Father who never gives up on you, who keeps coming and coming and coming, who watches down the road every day to see, is this the day? Is this the day that my beloved will return? Is this the day that my beloved will respond to my prayers and the actions of God will continue to work in their lives to draw them? I mean, this, this is God saying, I'm never giving up on you. The everlasting Father forever and ever not giving up on you. Ah. <sighs> So, his name shall be called the king who makes decisions and takes actions that change history. Oh my goodness, what was that? What just happened? I've never experienced anything like that in my whole life. I'm humbled and I'm totally in awe because he is a king who will always behave heroically and selflessly and use his power to deliver me, never to oppress or intimidate me, and who will never give up on me. He will always love me and nurture me and be there for me in spite of me, in spite of my own stupid, rebellious mistakes and choices, in spite of my own failures, in spite of me being me at my worst. But that old, uh, God, gave us his very best when we were at our very worst. The everlasting Father. So that brings us to the actual topic today. Uh, the Prince of Peace. Here's some peace verses. I love these verses. John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So we to stop and answer this question. Jesus says, I'm coming to, to bring a peace to you that you cannot get from the world. Help me figure this out. Where does the world tell us... What, what does the world tell us that we have to do or or achieve, or have in order to have real peace? Money, big pot of money. Yeah, keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, what else? What? Power. Material things. Perfect health. Um, liposuction. That'll do it. That'll absolutely do it. Um... 
the, you know, an absence of strife or stress is like, can, I, can you kids be quiet for just one minute? I need some peace. I need some noise-canceling headphones. All right. Now you see how this works. But Jesus says, I'm, I'm giving you a kind of peace that's, that the world can't give you. Because Jesus knows you can get all that stuff and still not really have peace. Don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. I am coming to give you my peace. Something that's unique. When Jesus says my peace, he's talking about something that's unique to him and to his character and to his nature. I'm coming to give you something you cannot get anywhere else. All right? Uh, John 16, These things I have spoken to you so that, let's say this two words together, in me. In me. Say this again. In me. So that in me you may have peace. In the world, what do you have? Tribulation. Pressure. Stress. Anxiety. Craziness. Disappointment. Pain. Disaster. Catastrophe. This is one of... Y'all... This is one of the most important promises in the Bible that people constantly ignore. Because this is, this is a take-it-to-the-bank promise. In the world you will have tribulation. That's a promise. Jesus said it. You, I mean, if, you, if you get out your red-letter Bible, it's in red letters. In the world, you will have tribulation. It's not like you can erase that out of the way. I want to, stop telling me that. I want to go to the happy church. I don't want to have this. <laughs> In the world, you will have tribulation. These words actually came out of the mouth of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. In the world, you will have tribulation. But... Don't freak out. I have overcome the world. I am bigger than the world. I have my finger on the button in my hands on the levers that, that compel the world to bend to my will. I have overcome the world. So, that's, so I'm telling you all this so that in me you may have peace. You turn on the television and watch pretty much anything. I can't even watch football anymore. Okay, all the people that get their, get their brains bashed in watching football, usually it was just hockey. Uh, now it's just like everybody gets broken all the time. Um, but in the world, everything is broken. In, in the world... Putting your hope and your faith in the world. We are stuck in the world. We are in the world, but what? We are not of the world. We are stuck in the world, but we don't fit with the world anymore. And we don't get our peace from anything that's in the world. Jesus said, I have spoken to you so that in me, in your relationship with me, in your, in your experience of communing with me, and your experience of having me live in you. Remember, we talked about it a while ago. I, 
I've been crucified with Christ. The only reason I'm alive right now is because Jesus Christ lives in me. And as long as Jesus is living, if Jesus is living you, then the peace that Jesus brings lives in you. Okay? All right. Yay. Colossians three fifteen. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. The peace of Christ. And I have to say this again. This is not... This is not an aspiration. This is not, you know, if I just take enough deep breaths and think happy thoughts, then I can peaceify myself. Doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You can't peaceify yourself. Um, turn around, look at somebody next to you and say, stop trying to peaceify yourself. All right. You can't peaceify yourself. You can't just try harder, do better and try harder and think happy thoughts and practice relaxation techniques and suddenly, boom, I have peace. Oh, I feel so much better now. Because you're in the world. And what do you get in the world? Tribulation. Tribulation. Lots. <laughs> Lots of it. And the only thing standing between you and tribulation is not your good best intentions of trying to do, how to do a better job and try harder. The only thing that stands between you and the world is the life of Christ living inside of you. The life of Christ living inside of you. Let the peace that Jesus brings when he rules in your heart. That's what he's talking about. You're not trying to emulate the example of Jesus was such a peaceful dude. So I think I'm just going to emulate Jesus and be peaceful like him. No. When he rules in your heart, he brings peace with him. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing in everything by prayer and supplication, which is really just two, these are three kinds of prayer here. Prayer is a, is a general word for, for talking to God. Supplication is when you're asking God for stuff. Thanksgiving is when you're thanking God for stuff. That's all, three different types of prayer. Let your requests be made known to God. And as you do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All right, so these things in black here, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. This, this phrase in Greek actually means beyond your ability to understand or control. Beyond your ability to make happen. It's not like, oh, so I'll do these, I'll step one, step two, step three, step four, and I'll be peacified. No. It's, you, you, can't, you can't explain the peace. You can't understand the peace. You can't turn it on, turn it off. Well, you sort of can, but it only, as you ignore Jesus, you can turn it off. As you start trying to play the world's game again, you can turn it off. But the point is that you, verse six is take all that stuff that's making you crazy how many of you got some stuff making you crazy right now? Give it to Jesus. I know that your brain says, no, man, you've got to keep working on this. You've got to figure this out. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan A. You can have a plan B. 
You've got to have a plan double Z. You've got to keep making more plans. You've got to figure this out. You've got to be in control. If, you don't, if you're not out there doing better and trying harder, it's not going to come together. Then it's going to get worse. Then you're going to be a bigger failure. Then you're not going to get what you want. Uh, so just make yourself crazy like the little hamster on the hamster wheel that goes boogity, 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 and never goes, and, and never goes anyplace. You just don't. So instead of doing all that stuff that you think is going to help you, give it all to Jesus. Now, the Living Bible says it like this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let's say it like that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let's say that with some more conviction here. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And when that happens, the life of Jesus can well up inside of you because he's right there waiting for you to, to, to get a clue so that he can say, okay, now just get out of my way and let me do what I can do and what you can't do anyhow. All of you. Who is it that said uh, men make their plans and God laughs? Who's... Where that quote come from? You're making all your plans for how you're going to fix your life and fix the world, and God just goes, <laughs> look at this, look at that. Uh, the peace of God, which you can't control because you don't even understand how it could be possible, will put a garrison of guards around your hearts and your minds and fight the battle for you. You don't know how it works. You can't explain it. But suddenly, you know that it's going to be okay. Doesn't mean it's okay right now, but you know it's going to be okay. That's the peace of God. You don't know how it's going to be possible. You know, you don't know what's going to happen, but you know. All right. Well, all is done. Uh, it's too big a doubt. Two big ideas. Where does peace come from? From resting in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. But what does he mean by peace? We've heard peace a bunch of times. Peace, 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 peace. And it's a nice word. It's a wonderful word. We all wish we had it. What does it mean? What does it mean? And the Greek word that's used here. So, so here's what you need to know. The, the Greek word is, Penny, pronounce this word for me. Arane. That's my daughter uh, who's actually taken Greek in a seminary. Uh, it's the absence of strife and struggle. It's the cessation of warfare. But this is the Greek word that's also used to translate the Hebrew word for peace, which is shalom. And that is a humongously bigger word. Uh, it's not just the absence of strife. Shalom is not just the absence of strife, but the presence of everything that produces a sense of safety and satisfaction and health and hope and contentment, everything that brings ultimate goodness to your life, the ultimate confidence that everything is okay. So whenever you're seeing the peace of God that's ruling in your heart, the peace that comes that transcends all understanding, the 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 peace that you, that when Jesus says, I'm bringing you my peace, Jesus is really saying, I'm bringing you this. The confidence, 
that you are safe, that you have hope, that you can be content in whatever circumstances you're in right now, which is Paul talks about it also in Philippians chapter 4. The ultimate confidence that in spite of the way things look right now, everything is okay and it's going to be okay. Not because you are a genius or because you have all the money in the world, but because Jesus Christ dwells in your heart through faith. And the power of the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit of God blew through this room today, and you just surrender to his presence. The Holy Spirit flowing in your life brings you peace. Everything is okay because there's nothing too big in the world right now that Jesus can't handle for you. Romans chapter 8 says, Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. Nothing, nothing, not any single, nothing will ever separate you from the love of God, which is poured out into our lives through Christ Jesus. So let's look at this one more time. His name shall be called the king who makes decisions and takes actions that change history, including my history. I don't even know, some, some of your history needs to be rewritten especially going forward. The king who makes decisions and takes actions that change history. I've never experienced anything like that in my whole life. I'm humbled. I'm totally in awe because he is a king who will always behave heroically and selflessly and use his power to deliver me, never to oppress me or intimidate me, and who will never give up on me and will always love me and nurture me and be there for me. And I am in his hands and I know Everything is going to be okay. That's right. Prince of Peace. People just have to remember one important thing. Peace is a person. Peace isn't a concept. It's not a moral, philosophical thing you debate. Peace is a person. It's not even a process. Peace is a person. You know, you can instantly step into peace. By just turning your eyes on Jesus. And saying, oh yeah, there you are, Jesus. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for how scatterbrained I've been. I'm so sorry for how messed up I've been. I'm so sorry that I haven't. I'm so sorry I've forgotten. That you are my source for everything. Jesus, can I just, can I just be still? Can I just be still? and sit in your lap for just a second and just rest and just be yours and just let you hold me and comfort me. So that you can remind me that no matter how it looks on the outside, it's going to be okay. Lord Jesus, Christmas is one of the worst times to try to find peace. 
So, Lord, we ask for a little Christmas miracle that you would just continue to sustain us and care for us and carry us through this time which is full of deadlines and challenges, so many people to keep happy, so many competing challenges. And we're in the middle of a world that is just, Lord, I didn't think it, I didn't think it'd get any worse in World War II. When peace came at the end of World War II, those people were so happy. That's because they didn't know what life was going to be like 50 years later. But Lord, in the middle of chaos, you are still king. In the middle of calamity, you are still the prince of peace. And Jesus, I trust you. I don't care what the world thinks of me. I don't care what the facts are. Don't confuse me with facts off of the internet. Jesus, I trust you. And I welcome you into my heart again today as the Prince of Peace. I just want to rest in you and live in the peace that you bring when you come. In Jesus' name, amen.